0: Hi and welcome to the Just Riding Along show.
1: Hi and welcome to episode 74. Tonight's show is brought to you by Colorado Edition. That's right. Our fullest of face <laughs> friend
0: is yes, I burped. I just in the middle of everything just burp.
1: You know what? I'm just a disgusting human. Should we start over? No, no. Let's just roll with it. Our fullest-of-face friend, Kenny, is on other adventures, so he will not be joining us, but we will be back soon. That means it is the Colorado Show. Everything Colorado only. And because things and stuff and everything's the same, uh, here's patrons right here. Now, go. All right, for patrons starting at $10, we have Zach, Will. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? Tom. Ty, Scott, Sam, Ryan, Raymond, Phil, Yo, Wang, Phil, My, Wang, Parker, Nicole, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Leland, Kevin, Ken, Josh, Josh, Josephine, exotic, Jeff, JC, Jamie, Jake, Green Giant, Gordon, G-Man, Frank, F-That-Guy, Mark, Ezra Trilogy, Evan, Dylon, Clayton, Brad, Bill, Alec, AJ, Aaron, and then from the uh, the down under, we have Lead Out Sports, Josh from the Intesa, and Dean, and then $20 a month we have Six Pack Outdoors, Mike, Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, and Affordable Trail Solutions. Harley comes in at 30 and Troy at 31 because I guess that's what you do when you're Troy. Thank you to everyone. Alright, I should push stop on this.
0: Alright, thank you, Matt, and we have a couple of new patrons this week three dollar patrons Justin and Connor Thank you Justin and Connor for joining our patreon
1: woot woot
0: well Matt what have you been up to
1: is your voice really already giving it up? just
0: like something just hung up in my throat it's not actually giving up yet like it a will burp? it will just was well, just... it like a burp hung up in your throat no it feels like a dog hair actually
1: all right so me. Last week we talked about maybe I was going to order a bike and I got it. It's together. After
0: no. after Matt was like I ordered a stump jumper and I got it and I'm going to wait to put it together. But I guess, didn't wait. Guess who didn't wait to put it together? He
1: did not wait at all. I don't know, I just can't. I just Here's the thing. The biggest thing of all is I just need to keep money moving. I can't just sit on my YT and then I realized through a friend or two and a spare parts bin and whatnot, I could sell my YT complete. So that's the plan is the YT's going complete. And I can't just wait and like have two running bikes. Like I did do a little bit of like keep this, keep that, et cetera, et cetera, between the two bikes. But everything is like I touched every one of my bikes this week. And it was kind of annoying, to be honest. I'm glad it's done. But man, it was a lot of work. So what's
0: your Stumpy build?
1: I'm just gonna talk based on that and all my que- the other question. I'm just gonna talk about all my bikes tonight, huh? So the Stumpy is as follows: Stump Jumper Evo non S works because your boy ain't blingin' like that. Got a lyric with buttercups, uh, GXP XX1 cork whatever Fox.
0: It's like their newest version of an inline shock with a piggyback. It's like just a little bit burlier, I think.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, whatever that thing is.
0: What's the rear travel?
1: So, 150 in the rear, and I got it built up with the XXX01 off of my, whatever that bike was, Spark, made the Spark single speed. (laughs) And then I used a, oh, I used my DB8 brakes. I put the the DB8 brakes on the Stumpy, so that means I pulled those off the Hayduke, and I put G2s on the Hayduke.
0: Look, I don't dislike the DB8s. But I wouldn't. I, I would keep the, the dot brakes on. That's just me. It's it's just my personal preference.
1: That's fine. I can always change in the future. But I'm gonna give them, another couple thousand foot of descending and see how they party.
0: Okay. Fair enough.
1: I have a part spin dropper post on the bike, with a wolf tooth lever. Cause you know my boy. I just did the light like, chest thump thing. Like,
0: <laughs> this, this is not a video podcast.
1: I can tell people what I'm doing. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's a bike. It's going to run my Knox wheels on it for now. I probably, I would really like to get a different set of wheels for that bike. And then I would like to run the Knox wheels full time on the single speed. And that's, that would be that. Lots of moving parts, kind of for no reason, but the the bike rolls, and then I didn't ride it. So I got it together like Sunday at 2 o'clock, and maybe a later than that, oh yeah, and then I built my new dirt jump bike. <laughs> so I got a dirt jump bike this week.
0: Yeah, well, that one's not all new and shiny, but it's new to you. I mean, it's new
1: to me, but that one's also not fully put together yet. I still need to. I need parts for that, and it's like so low priority right now. I'm just like, whatever. It's I,
0: just because Salida's is getting a pump track, so it yeah. doesn't have to be finished right away.
1: And it was. It was just such a good deal that I just couldn't pass it up. So, so, dirt jump by, Stumpy, and then Sunday afternoon I rode my moto at home. Then Monday afternoon I rode my moto at the trials area while Andrea and the dog hung out and chased me around. Taco really enjoys that. He's he like, does.
0: He loves motorcycles.
1: He's so excited to see that. For motorcyles. a dog
0: that is nervous about literally everything.
1: The wind blows. He loses his biscuits.
0: Yeah. He's always on guard and nervous about every fucking thing in the world. Motorcycles loves motorcycles. Loud ones, quiet ones, doesn't matter. Just loves motorcycles.
1: And then I rode my trials bike some more today, or yesterday. And then after work today, I moved some things around in the yard try to get my little trials going a little bit better. And and that's me. What have you been doing?
0: I oh, I had actually a, a few people ask me about my hand biopsy and I have to pull up my note from my dermatologist because it's called a granuloma annulare. Annulari? I think it's something like that. It's difficult to my doctor was he when I told her I could Google it because I was I was on the trainer when she called and she was kind of explaining. She's like, "You can come by the office and pick up some paperwork that explains what it is and how to treat it." And I was like, "Oh, I can use Google." And she's like, "Well, just make sure that you're looking at a medical website when you are using the internet." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. I yeah, I I know what you're t- what you're saying." And she actually emailed me, and she emailed the name of what it was to me because, like I said, I was on the trainer and I told her I'm like hey I'm I'm on my bike and I can't type on my phone because my fingers are sweaty and so she emailed me and I emailed back and I said going to foodbabe.com right now to see what essential oil I should purchase for them so I can cure it and she didn't get the joke right away (laughs) and she's like oh be careful let me know what you're using because some can cause inflammation (laughs) and then uh, yeah it doesn't matter. We'll keep moving, but yeah, apparently it's just a benign inflammatory thing that there's not really a known cause for. Um, Some doctors think it can be related to shingles, which I have had a shingles outbreak before, but it was back in 2013 during Breck Epic. So yeah, I mean, that could be about the time this thing started on my hand or somewhere close to that, but I don't know it's just uh somewhere close to that but yeah i mean it doesn't bother me she said that if it gets itchy or sore at all i can put some cortisone cream on it she said also a treatment is to inject cortisone into it if it's really bad but i've never really been bothered by it before other than it just looks kind of weird so yeah that's it nothing really wrong just a little inflammatory thing i think you call that idiopathic when you can't really figure out what causes it
1: now that we've Talked about hand aids. <laughs>
0: Please don't call it that.
1: I'm trying to think of Hando Grano. <laughs> um
0: But yeah, so I found out about that. I you oh, are, I wanted to talk about the trainer road so go back in your Wayback Machine we talked about Close
1: your eyes and remember.
0: Yeah, close your eyes if you're driving, just close your eyes and remember that episode a few weeks ago when we talked about the trainer road AI FTP prediction. And if you remember correctly, it predicted my FTP to be 242, I think, which seemed incredibly too high for me. But I did have a power meter glitch during a workout not long before I did that FTP prediction. And I think that might have skewed it. So while, you know, when I saw that, I was like, that's that's way too high. I think it's closer to 220. That's kind of where I had predicted my FTP when I started this latest round of trainer road stuff, because I didn't feel like doing the ramp test. So um, I did a ramp test, and <laughs> what do you know, my, my FTP is 222 watts. So very close to what I had predicted, a long way off from what the AI had predicted. But um, I did remove that workout from my calendar because it basically my power meter freaked out because the battery was doing weird stuff and it said that I did over 1800 watts for at least two minutes so it really skewed that one workout really badly as far as training stress and intensity so now I'm losing my voice
1: (laughs) my podcaster in Christ we've got we're like 12 minutes in (laughs) So. All right, hold on. I need to get up and stretch so I can carry this fucking show on my up. back. Shut <laughs> yes. up. Uh, let me
0: just. Uh, uh,
1: all right, ready. Let's Asshole. go. Yeah. So. You're gonna hit me on a bridge?
0: I couldn't. I couldn't um, redo the. I I took that workout out with the bad power data. Um, I could not redo the AI prediction because they only let you do it every 28 days. So I am currently around, I think, nine days away from that. So I will hit that predict button again once I have the option and see what it says. I'm guessing it's just going to see like, oh, you did a ramp test. Are you sure you really want me to tell you the same thing again? But we'll see. We'll see what it says. So I've kind of started the new training cycle and I'm losing basically trainer road with the low volume Program, you do three workouts a week. Now it's going to be broken up into a VO2 max workout, a sweet spot interval workout, and then a longer, like an hour and a half threshold workout. So that's what I'm looking forward to for the next three weeks, I think. I think it does four week cycles, like three weeks on, one week off. Pretty sure that's what most coaches do. So that's what I've been up to pretty much. I'm collecting odd jobs from neighbors that's about it all right is there a new shit that we hate or no or should we talk about the uh the fork thing
1: let's start with wheels so bird wheels deliver tomorrow andrea and i are going to rock paper scissors <laughs> sudden death to see who gets to ride just
0: one rock paper scissors should we do it right now on air
1: are you a rock paper scissor or rock paper scissor like, shoot
0: yeah one two three shoot okay so let's do it next to a microphone so it sounds cool.
1: I got to think because there's a lot on the line here.
0: <laughs> You're not just going to randomly throw something out there?
1: I'm going to use rock. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot.
0: <laughs> we both threw rock.
1: Rock, paper, scissors, shoot.
0: <laughs> we just did it again. <laughs> Are we just going to have a rock battle until someone stops using rock? Rock, paper,
1: scissors, shoot.
0: <laughs> we're just going to have to do this, like, some other time. <laughs> All right.
1: I mean, it's really simple, though. I'm telling you what I'm going to do, so you could win.
0: I thought you were just playing mind games with me.
1: Rock, paper, scissors, shoot.
0: So Matt finally let me win.
1: It- exactly what i wanted to have and happen happened like i have read this in passing one time that you can tell people what you're going to do and half the time they don't believe you and they just like freak out and do something else and then you win with rock like you're just like i'm going to use rock and they're like oh they're just fucking with me cuz if i use paper then they're going to use scissors and they'll actually win so then they throw like scissors cuz scissors beats paper which would theoretically you know what i mean and it's no i liked it rock
0: That was the worst game of rock, paper, scissors ever. So I guess I'm going to ride the bird wheels first.
1: If you go buy tires for them.
0: All right. I can do that. So should we go into listener questions? Sure. All right. This one kind of rolls into new shit we probably hate from Brindo.
1: Brindo says, here's something all of y'all can hate on. Much love from the Tetons. And if you ever run into a guy named Dan... Riding around Salida, call the cops on him. All right. If I see that guy, I'm gonna mind my own fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, probably. Oh wait, was that that was Dane, not Dan?
0: Oh yeah, Dane. Whatever. Yeah, Dane doesn't sound like someone you can trust. Just the name da- Dane.
1: And the product that he's talking about is TrueTune, which the only way to describe it, you need to you need to go look it up. You can't even close your eyes and imagine this one while you're driving. It is. The anti-volume spacer for your fork. So the idea is, is it activated? Activated
0: activated carbon.
1: Activated carbon has a much higher surface area and scientifically proven can absorb more air than dead space. space. So you put this in your fork and your fork will behave more linear and it's better. I don't know why it's better yet. I, I still haven't figured out why that's better. But it's supposed to be better. But here's also really cool news. I saw this on the internet, and I was like, that thing looks hilarious. And then I read about it, and I was like, that thing isn't a joke. That's real.
0: Yeah, I almost. So, Brendo. the reason why we're just now getting to this is because I clicked on your link, and I looked at the title, and I thought, That's just another listener sending us a silly internet joke about bike parts.
1: When did they send this?
0: Um, December 13th, eight days ago as of today. So, yeah. Sorry, Brendo. I ignored your email because I thought that the product was a joke. But, I mean, it sounds plausible. I don't know if it's going to make a fork feel better. But we'll try it.
1: And we are. Yeah. We're going to get one. Second week of January. It should ship. From the Yucca, UK.
0: Yeah, so hopefully our trails will still be, uh, I don't know, snow-free by then. If not, we'll have to go elsewhere to test it out.
1: Eh, we got cars. We can go somewhere. Yep. What else we got going on?
0: So we have from Duncan. Do you want to read?
1: I would love to have this computer angled my way a little more. All right. Duncan says, I really like their email address. Uh, I'd love to hear more about Matt's Esker. How is it built up, and are you running plus tires? Have you tried it single speed? I'm thinking about a Jaffe with a Sid to replace my Timberjack with a Pike if you have any input. For what it's worth, it would be purpose-built for the XC flow trails near me with the option to swap over the AXS for my other bike if needed for bikepacking. So, I ride an Esker Hayduke in extra-large with historically a 120 or 134 Uh, moving forward i'll be running either rigid or my 120 sid 35 i have g2 brakes now it did it had levels and it's had db8s and g2 it's had every brake from sram on the bike (laughs) pretty much it has spent all but about 30 of its miles single speed that bike's had a derailleur on it for one or two rides I like the Hey Duke over the Jaffe. Don't quote me too hard, but the I know the bottom bracket drop on the Duke is 50 millimeters, and I think the Jaffe is 65. And 50 is really the sweet spot for me. So the 50 millimeter bottom bracket drop on the hardtail with 29er tires gives you a fairly high bottom bracket for that classic pedal it everywhere single speed that I want for the for the trails. I will say...
0: What size tire?
1: Um, I run 29.24 two in the rear, 29.26 two in the front. I would love to go double 2.6, but I honestly... I might be able to soon, but I've just never wanted... I have enough tires now. In the past, I haven't had two 2.6s two without stealing one from another bike, but I'll be able to do that moving forward. Let's see. How's it built up? Jaffe. Oh, if I could like have you know, a custom bike built, it would essentially be a, Hey Jaffe. So <laughs> a w- Jaffy Duke. Yeah. A, a J Duke. Oh, there we go. She's smart. <laughs> I want a Jaffe. I want the lower bottom bracket height or sorry, I'm saying this all wrong. I want a Hey Duke with a Jaffe seat post.
0: Oh, so with a shorter with a shorter seat post.
1: The yeah. the Hayduke is definitely like front triangle bike packing optimized for maximum storage space. So I can only run a one twenty five or one fifty dropper. And and on the hardtail, more dropper would probably be better because you, you you use more leg suspension. You know, you have no bike suspension. But I mean, all in all, the bike's a riot. And I think if you, but I rode the I rode. Timberjack, and i've ridden the pike i mean if you just want to spend money i think it's fine but i don't i mean you're you're just gonna spend some money and your bike's gonna get a little heavier yeah i mean i don't know if you're like yeah yeah but here's the thing the Timberjack and the hay duke are pretty close to one another in seat post length and everything so if you're looking for that shorter seat post length so you can have a longer dropper and you don't mind the slightly lower bottom bracket drop, or you plan on running like a twenty nine two six all the time, and you, and again, you don't mind lower bottom bracket, then then you'll love the Jaffe, and I think you should buy one. But I don't know if you're like, ah, oh, I'm gonna have to like my kid's gonna have to not have formula once a week <laughs> for the next month because <laughs> I don't have enough money to do all this. Don't do that. Feed your kids. Like, so. I don't know. I was trying to think of the worst case scenario. Like, what would be the worst thing someone could do? Be like, oh, I'll just starve my kids so I can buy another bike. Kids, we're not going to have
0: Christmas this year. Dad wants a new bike. Well, this actually reminded me, if you're finished, I have like an, a, a tangent really quick. So, he was talking about swapping over Axis from his other bike if needed for bike packing. And that reminded me, the other day I was riding my Drop Bar Mountain bike, which has Axis and right now it's it moves back and forth between road use and well gravel road whatever and the trainer and the trainer i have to adjust the shifting by about 7 or 8 axis clicks which is kind of a lot and i realized the other day when i was riding on the road something that's always bugged me a little bit about axis now don't get me wrong axis works wonderfully it works beautifully it's It's great. This is just me being weird and having odd personal preferences based on, I don't know, things that a lot of people don't think about. I don't like Axis as much as I like Mechanical because I can't adjust my shifting with the tactile feel of the lever and the like how the derailleur feels on the cog of the, like as it moves between the cogs, like how it feels in the pedals. You lose that tactile mechanical feel, and that I I prefer having that versus not having that, which is really I understand how subtle and niche that is, but I think that's why I haven't really pursued access on all of my bikes. Like I'm I'm really happy with mechanical Eagle, so just a little tangent there. That's all.
1: Mechanical eagle slabs.
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: As long as it's GX or better.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, of course. Do you want to read through this one or no? Nah. Okay.
1: Someone wrote us a book, and I I can barely read. I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> I'll
0: give you the mouse so you can scroll through this one.
1: Before the question.
0: This is from Todd.
1: Oh, this is from Todd. Before the question, Anthony from episode 71 that donated 100 dollars is derailer dicky aka derailleur thought it'd be fun to share that i don't know what any of this means <laughs> um on to the question because of dicky and another listener friend mike i started mountain biking last year and i started on a kona hanzo st oh he's probably talking about dicky dicky yeah, yeah i didn't get that at all and no one fucking helped me
0: i mean i kind of
1: since then, I've fallen <laughs> in love with the sport, upgraded <laughs> to a full suspension, and now own three bikes. I live on the North Charlotte coast and spend North, most North Carolina oh, North Carolina North Carolina coast and spend most of my time training on road or gravel. I've now started the journey of converting my Hanzo to a gravel bike. So far, my plan is to keep the fork but lock it out if I want to get some really good 29er gravel tires and eventually add drop bars. My question has to do with increasing the chainring. I want to get more speed, I lost my place as I scrolled. I want to get more speed out of the bike on flat terrain of the coast and figured increasing the chainring would be a good way for a beginner doing his own bike maintenance. What all do I need to consider if increasing the chainring from 32 to possibly 36? The bike has SRAM NX one by one. Also is there anything else I should consider if I keep moving forward with this conversion would love to hear your always unbiased and unpopular opinions. <laughs> Link to the bike specs if you need it. Um, I'm going to start with you need to dig around on the internet because I don't know that a 36 tooth chain ring is not going to run into the chain stay. So that's the first thing that you need to be really careful of. Second thing to know that's super easy is that looks like it's a direct mount chain ring. So swapping the chain rings would be fairly simple you just need to get the proper direct mount chainring but yeah i don't know i don't know what the max chainring size on that bike is going to be let's do this let me drive for a second on the kona site i think i know what we want to look up we want to go to hanzo and then we want to look at just the hanzo frame and see if on the hanzo frame specs it tells us doesn't even tell us what size seat post we use um <laughs> sizing and fit videos more bikes Nah, why would we tell someone like what size oh wait a minute specs and geometry oh there's no Mm, sizing fit yep all right they don't tell us what the max chain ring size is thanks kona as far as converting that over to drop bar uh that has a really long scroll back up it has a really long reach so running drop bars is going to be difficult
0: yeah, that's what I was going to say would be your biggest challenge way before the chainring. If you are running that bike with a really short stem, you have to remember that when you put drop bars on there, you're adding at the least 70 millimeters.
1: 120, because like, you got hoods too.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're adding a lot of reach to that. And if you. If, if that's not going to work for you, a lot of people need to size down a full size to go to a drop bar mountain bike because of that reach. Um, if you're already running a very short stem, I think you're going to have a very hard time getting that to where you are comfortable on the bike. Unless the bike's a little on the small side for you now.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I, I, I think you'd be way better off just throwing some... Like, to put drop bars on there, you have to buy shifters... You have to buy a new rear derailleur because the cable pull is not the same.
0: Well, you're gonna also, if you, need you buy new calipers, yeah. If you buy road shifters for it, so the brake and shifter combo, most of the time, it's going to come with a flat mount caliper.
1: So you'd have to hit up your friends at Wolf Tooth and get adapters.
0: Yeah. So you're looking at a lot of stuff to make that work. I mean, not that it's not doable, but. You know, you're going to have to find the shortest stem you can possibly find. And it still still may not work. Like, it still may be real kook. And you're going to be riding looking like Superman, like with your elbows locked out and your hands way ahead, you know, way out in front of you. And, you know, if you can get over that, one thing to think of also when you put gravel tires on there, you're going to be lowering your bottom bracket. You're also going to be making the bike I guess gearing-wise, you're going to be making... The
1: tire roll out smaller, so you're gearing the bike down. Yeah. I think that's what Andrea was going for. Right,
0: yeah. My brain was I saw
1: her hand did this move that was just like (laughs) the potato rotating in the microwave, (laughs) and I was like, well, my people need me. (laughs) So.
0: You know, the other day, here's another tangent. So, yeah, sometimes I do just kind of stare off into space and make a sound like a potato rotating in a microwave. The other day, Matt thought I was doing that, and he said, what are you thinking about? (laughs) And I explained to him how I had listened to this podcast with a spiritual teacher that said that God is the ocean and we are all the waves, and (laughs) it was not the potato rotating in the microwave he expected. (laughs) So yeah, go back to Kona, and you reduce your your gearing when you put smaller tires on.
1: I think that your best bet would be go mid-kook. Run something like Recon Race or like an Aspen tire in a yeah. 2.4. like
0: a really fast
1: 2.4. My brother in Christ. <laughs> what? You've interrupted me with a tangent, and then you interrupted me again. I'm trying to get this man set up here.
0: All right. Well, I was just encouraging you.
1: So run like a big, let's call it still mountain bike tire, though, and then keep mountain bike bars on it. Now, if you wanted to go to something with more sweep— like maybe an Answer 2020 bar or maybe a Jones bar. Even a Jones bar is a tough sell for me because you're going to have to recable the bike, like including rear hydro line. So that's a pretty tough sell because the, the shifters aren't going to reach and the brake levers aren't going to reach because the, the bars are so kook. But maybe look into something mid-kook before, you know, and, and give that a shot. But just realize that you could spend a lot of money and end up with a bike that is a shitty gravel bike and a shitty mountain bike. <laughs>
0: exactly. Where
1: if you have a mountain bike and you're riding your mountain bike like a mountain bike, you can, I mean, dudes do it every day. You can spend $100,000 on a Ford truck and drive it on the road only. People do it all the time. You can ride your mountain bike on the road. Your junky gravel conversion kook shit doesn't do anything well.
0: All right. Are we finished with that one? We want to move on?
1: Sure. T from Vegas. I got to do a little adjustment here.
0: And we should, we should answer these questions one at a time.
1: Hey y'all love the show. Been a listener for a few years now. Uh, thanks. After a recent question about specialized dumpy Evo down tubes, breaking, Kenny gave me the confirmation to ride this baby instead of selling it. Matt asked why I would sell it. And it's because I'd always ride wrap that thing perfectly, which took some time, could have peeled it off to return the frame or sold it and tried to make a Benjamin or two to someone who wanted a new frame already ride-wrapped, but I kept it and been riding it in the rocky desert and liking it a lot. Thanks. Sweet. Yeah.
0: I vaguely remember that.
1: I kind of do, too. I think people grossly overestimate the fact that I would have a conversation with Andrea and Kenny once a week, and I don't remember any of it. None. It's like that Malcolm in the Middle thing.
0: I don't know. Apparently
1: the kid from Malcolm in the Middle has some memory issues and doesn't remember a lot of it. I don't know. Maybe that's made up. Maybe that's the terrible Matt fact of the show. (laughs) Moving on. Geometry questions. How far is too far with head angle slackness for you guys? I had the stumpy in the high bottom bracket and the slack head tube setting resulting in a head tube of 63.5 degrees and it cornered like fucking garbage. (laughs) Sure. If I went in a straight line down a 25 foot steep ass chute, it was fine. I then flipped the headset. It's now at 65.5, and it's so much better. I don't even think I'd want my head tube sub 64, even in the bike park, who rides nothing but straight down fall lines all day long. Do we want to stop there for a second? Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I, I think that you found what is too far with head tube angle slackness for you. And for me, um, you know, I put the mayhem in the... I'm not going to, I guess I could go pull up their geometry chart and uh, see what it was. I put the Mayhem in the low bottom bracket position briefly over the summer. And I really liked it for very fast, very steep, kind of like what you're talking about. But I didn't mind the handling as far as turning, as long as it was a little bit on the fast side. So I feel like that was still... What is it in the low position?
1: So T is saying that 65.5 is his jam, right? Yeah. And you're saying, which was a two degree change to low, right? 63 versus 65.5. point five. 63.5, sixty-five five.
0: Yeah. The mayhem is very subtle, I think.
1: Not only is the mayhem very subtle, it's 65.7 or 65.2. Oh, wow. So your high and low lands yeah. exactly equidistant I mean not exactly but pretty much equidistant yeah. from 655 like if your bike just didn't have a chip it would be 655
0: right so in the low position I did feel like on the slow kind of twisty trails I didn't I didn't like it as much I didn't think it was fucking garbage it wasn't definitely wasn't that bad but it also was not 63 degrees either so I right now in the winter time I'm riding the trails near town it's stuff that's shorter descents for the most part it's relatively tame there are a couple rocky shooty ones but I like it in the high position for that and in the summertime if I'm gonna do greens creek or you know some of the higher elevation longer descents I like it in the low setting because I can kind of I don't know like manhandle the bike a little bit I guess you'd say like just jam it into corners and shit, and it just kind of eats all of it up. It's, it's really nice.
1: Andrea over here just reinforcing the patriarchy, manhandling and jamming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, but I haven't, you know, to go back to your question, I haven't found how Slack is too Slack for my personal preference, and I just haven't had the opportunity to. I rode... What was the Rocky Mountain I rode? Not the Maiden, but the Slayer?
1: Slayer.
0: I rode, Yeah, I rode the Rocky Mountain Slayer before it was what it is now. Like, I rode the previous generation. And for... It was 27.5, and the only time... I, I didn't like it on really chunky stuff, but that had to do more with the wheel size and my riding style, not being compatible with each other. But I, I didn't think that that bike at the higher speeds, I didn't think that was too slack at all. And, you know, I definitely rode it on the Cottonwood Trail here in Salida, which has, it definitely has some turns and stuff. It's not steep fall line chute stuff at all. Um, it's lots of flowy turns and a few rocky sections. So I would say that bike was not too slack. So, yeah, I haven't I haven't found too slack for myself yet. I'm sure I could if I went out and demoed a bunch of bikes. But, yeah, so far, haven't found it. But I'm really happy with the 65-ish degree head tube angle of the Mayhem. What about you, Matt? I'm trying to... Are you looking up stumpy numbers?
1: Yeah, I'm. Ch- so...
0: You haven't ridden it yet, though.
1: I mean, I pedaled it down the driveway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the YT? That's probably that, or the Trek, the Fuel EX. Those are probably your two slackest ones that you've ridden. Our own. No, you had the Yeti, the SB130.
1: I had an SB130 briefly. I didn't ride it that much. Um, that was when my foot was like at its worst, my foot injury. I'm pulling up the Izzo geometry right now. I don't. I don't know. Do you think I know my geometry?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's see. Head tube angle. I rode. I rode my Izzo at 66.5.
0: All right, and that was you. Occasionally, kind of. Talk I over-forked
1: it. it, but still, that probably didn't bring it under 65.
0: Yeah. And you did. You complained a couple of times about it being a little... I think once you got the Spark, you're like... The is a little clunky when you're trying to go fast in the, in the turns.
1: Well, the problem was, is after riding the Spark, which hauls the mail on <laughs> calm terrain... Yeah. I mean, that bike absolutely rips. The issue that I was running into was... I mean, the Izzo, like anything that tries to do it all, like homeboy's Hanzo that isn't going to do anything well if he throws too much money at it. <laughs> uh, you know, I over-forked the Izzo, so it was kind of heavy, and it didn't go uphill that fast anymore, and it didn't like to flat corner anymore. But when he let her buck downhill, it kind of started to protest. Like, the the front end could write checks that the back end didn't want to cash. So, you know, just with that in mind, like, just whatever.
0: So you also have not ridden a bike and been like nope that that's too much that's it
1: i mean i was bored when i rode that rocky mountain instinct bc 90 that bike was 170 in the front 155 in the rear and is probably pretty slack i'm not looking up the geometry on that one but like I, that bike was fun i don't know i'll probably i think the new stumpy evo is going to be slacker and let's call it more gnarly but is all in all like I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. More fun, probably. I don't know where I'm going.
0: Oh, that's fine. So, yeah, we don't know how far is too hard, too far with head tube angle slackness. Um, and, you know, there's a lot more to how a bike handles than just the head tube angle, which we're going to get to in your next question. But, you know, just suspension kinematics and, like, the front center of the bike. Like, the ferries. The ferries, yeah.
1: <laughs> Front tire pressure. Right. And low speed compression, even, your fork.
0: You know, a, a bike that has more saddle to bottom bra- or saddle to handlebar drop for you. If you don't pay attention to that when you set your bike up, that's going to change how it handles. So you could have a bike, and I went through this the first time I got a big bike. So when I got the Pivot Mach 6, and this is back in 2015. Sure. I ran into. Um, So for a small or a medium frame, you're looking at a stack number somewhere of around 600 millimeters. It gets bigger on the bigger bikes. So a lot of times on bigger bikes, someone like me who is on the the shorter end of a person who would ride a medium frame, the saddle to bar drop is non-existent. And you end up with the rise from saddle to bar, which can be not terrible, as long as it's not just crazy high like a beach cruiser or something. It, it's, it's not bad when you're going down something very steep to feel like you can unweight your front wheel a little bit more. But for more flat and fast riding, if your handlebars get, the higher your handlebars go, the less traction you have in your front tire because you have less weight on your front tire. So how your bike handles in turns can also have something to do with your where your ass is compared to where your hands are. You know, how much weight do you have on the front wheel in different riding positions? So it's not just about head tube angle. It's about the whole bike. So you don't want to just, you know, for you, if you see a bike that has a 64 degree head tube angle, you don't want to just ride it off. If you're looking at big bikes, you know, if you're looking at big trail bikes, don't ride it off and say, no, I'm going to hate that bike. You got to take it out and ride it and make sure that you hate it. Go out and think, I'm going to hate this bike and see if it surprises you, you know, because if it, if you say I'm going to hate it and then you go out and ride it and you don't hate it, it's probably a pretty good sign that you're going to like that bike, you know, so don't just shop head tube angle, something to take into account, but you can't just look at a geometry chart and be like, nope, I hate it, hate that bike, don't like it, don't like bikes at that head tube angle, don't just, just don't ride them. Matt, anything? You're just over there like facing chocolate and looking at the internet.
1: I'm looking at geometry numbers, getting ready to answer the next question in uh, the question. The <laughs> next question in the question. Also, what say you all about the steep seat tube angles? I find I actually like my saddle back on the rails some, which is a which effectively slackens the seat tube angle. If the seat tube angle is too steep, when I stand up, I feel like my body position is already too far forward and I have to actively remember to get back a bit. Or I feel like I'm going over the bars. I'm going to start on this one, and I apologize if this comes across as harsh as it is. C tube angle means nothing when you're out of the saddle. If you're riding your modern trail bike and you're out of the saddle in a situation where you feel like over the bars is a possibility and you haven't dropped the seat post, you're, you're going to have a bad time. So <laughs> getting that part out of the way
0: manufacturer seat tube angles are kind of bullshit and you have a very good semi i guess you could call it a rant ish about this
1: i do because the only company to my knowledge that does a good job of telling you the true seat tube angle and i'm not being silly don't don't look at this while you're driving for real (laughs) look at a picture of a modern mountain bike and what you're going to see is Very few bicycles have a truly straight seat tube. Center of the bottom bracket to the center of the seat post collar. One straight line. Very improbable. Most bikes are going to have a forward kink in the seat tube. And then...
0: Some kind of jive at where the shock mounts.
1: Yep. There's going to... It'll kind of come forward. And then, you know, that gives room for linkage behind the seat tube. And then you'll have, you know, the seat post projects back upwards but i'm just going to be like really i'm going to use like bad math here the seat post comes forward like an inch and a half and then it goes backwards at like a 70 69 degree seat tube angle if you measure just the part the whole the the post the the whole the post goes in you know and then to get the true seat post angle you measure from the center of the bottom bracket or seat tube angle you measure from the center of the bottom bracket to Where, And that's the thing that pisses me off, because effective seat tube angle is affected by a higher seat height. So there's some brands, in order to promote their numbers, their seat tube angle is measured where the seat tube and the head tube would intersect. If you can imagine, like, a horizontal line... If you measure the effective seat tube where the, you know, head tube height is, that's where they measure it. Guess what? No one rides their seat that low. No one. Zero. Zilch. Nada. You know who does a really good job of giving you a true effective seat post angle? Transition. In their geometry chart, they give a little quick explanation with a beautiful little diagram that makes even a moron from Tennessee like me understand that, hey, Something's afoot here, and the thing that pisses me off about it is, I'm I'm bothered by this in my size, but I'm not the worst. I know people whose seat is inches, like literally three to four inches higher than mine, so it's even worse for them. But the the, the big thing that that stresses me out is people get all pissy and they get all oh I must have this seat tube angle, and it's just like the stupid fucking standover height. Because you know what's wrong with standover height? No one says where it is measured. And yes, I beat on the counter to be annoying as hell on purpose. (laughs) Because no one says it's measured except Salsa. Just like Transition, where Transition does a great job, Salsa's like, hey, we measure our standover 50 millimeters in front of the bottom bracket. It's like, okay.
0: That's a spot you might actually stand over.
1: That is, but, but even if they said, we measure our standover height at the lowest point on the frame. Okay fine. But if no if if brand A measures it here but doesn't tell us and band brand B, even if they measure it in the same spot, if we don't know where it's being measured, we can't compare it. And that's the problem with C tube angle. C brought it all back. back to C <laughs> tube angle. the problem is you don't know what it actually is. So until you put your seat in the hole and make it as tall as you want it, and then measure your own effective seat tube angle, you don't know shit. And I don't even feel bad being that harsh about it. We as an industry can do better on that. With that said, gnarlier bikes get ridden on steeper terrain. That steeper terrain usually lends itself to steeper up and down. And I've never been in a situation where I've said, boy, on this really steep climb, I feel like I'm just falling all over the handlebars. I have said to myself, I feel like I'm in the back seat on this bike. This sucks. And I've, I've been moving my seat forwards over the last year and a half essentially, and I haven't found too far forward. On my Yeti SB 130, I went full kook on that bike and I set the I, I set my seat. I replicated an 8% grade, and then I set my bike up. Like the saddle was level on an eight percent grade. The saddle setback was where like my road bike would be on flat ground, was that on eight percent grade. And I went out and rode it on the steep trails and like some of the gnarlier fire roads around Salida, and it was rad. It looked awful, but it was rad. (laughs) So with all that said, I think as long as you're dropping the old up-down post, seat tube angle means dick-all nothing once you stand up. Because when you stand up, it's pedals to grips. That's all that matters.
0: And I I set everything up regardless of seat tube angle. I, I set every single bike up the same way it's definitely hard on a bike with suspension to get you know like a dynamic reading on where your fore and aft is and your saddle angle and everything but I do my best to match it so my goal is whether I would if if I was on a full dickhead road bike versus if I was on an enduro bike I would want my seat set up in exactly the same position relative to the bottom bracket. No change. So that's how I feel about seat tube angle. You want to read the last... Is is this the last part? Oh, no, we have...
1: Holy shit. (laughs) All right, we got to get going. (laughs) Let me chew up my chocolate really quick. Holy hell. Also, I wouldn't dare lower the bottom bracket anymore on this bike else. Risk all the rocks exploding my pedals consistently. Yes, pedal strikes are user error. But I know how to ride my fucking bike, and at some point, it's too fucking much bottom bracket drop. (laughs) I'm starting to think all this lower bottom bracket slapper head tube steeper seat tube is a bunch of marketing bullshit, or I'm just an old curmudgeon. Both. C column B. All right. I hear the holy grail of shifting is AXS derailleur with an XT cassette and chain. Ever tried it? Pros, cons?
0: No, we don't try it because we always run whatever chain goes with the drivetrain.
1: I can give you—hold on, I'm doing math. About 425 reasons I've never tried that, and each one of them is a dollar bill because I'd have to buy a free hub, a cassette, a chain, and a chain ring to pedal it one time, and I'm just not going to do that. I've heard good things about it. The number one thing I've heard, and I know you're listening, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I know you're listening. You're not even in this question, and you're listening, and I'm about to call you out. One of my buddies is like, but you can shift it under power. You can shift XT cassettes under power. And I'm like.
0: You can shift Axis under power because it's fucking robots. They claim that
1: this shifts more under power. And I don't know. There's a couple of things. Either one, I don't shift under power. Two, I don't. I think I shift under power and I actually don't. That's one option. A second option would be I don't actually shift under power and mentally I'm so afraid of my drivetrain that subconsciously I quit making power when I'm shifting. Oh,
0: I've got a good one for this.
1: Or 3, I don't actually make power, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> so, when I was when I first got Access, I was planning on using it for Tour Divide. But part of planning on using something for something like Tour Divide is testing it out in a controlled environment to see how it acts if you just absolutely fucking abuse it. So I rode down the local BLM road when it was slushy from melting snow, and it gets pretty sticky mud that sticks. It gets in your drivetrain. It's not just like wet sand, but it's like wet sand, mud, it's, it's nasty. It's real nasty. And anytime I'm not trying to do something like this, I absolutely avoid that area. I basically did like a threshold interval out and back through this mud to see what would happen. And you know what it did? Fucking awesome. It did fucking awesome. No skips, no mischiefs. It was just, it was awful. Like, you should not do what I did to a drivetrain but I wanted to see what would happen if I just clogged it up with mud and just peddled the shit out of it, and the answer is nothing.
1: So, yeah. Next one up. I have a set of hoops with bird spokes on my Stumpy Evo, and a year and a half of smashing them across the rocks of the desert, like the 220-pound ham-fisted gorilla I am, I can speak to their durability. They didn't amazingly improve the ride quality, though. All I really noticed is the edge of sharp rocks felt like they had been sanded down a slight bit. Okay... That sounds good. Uh, Also, you need tools from Bird to true them, which is a bummer because a big bike shop in Vegas just flat out refused refused to true them for me. The back millimeter is the back rim is two to three millimeters out of true. Probably not a big deal, but to be expected after what I've put them through. Question: Any non-big brand? Proprietary parts you have all had and felt like it was worth it. I'm learning. I feel like I just need to stick to mainstream stuff in order to get parts and service when I need. Um,
0: um i9 spokes, yeah, you know, they're they're alloy proprietary spoke. I mean, you can true it with a normal spoke wrench, but that's I would consider that to be proprietary. They're the only, I guess, I don't want to say mainstream brand. They're a smaller brand, um, but those those work well.
1: I don't I mean you've had a hologram crank.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a hologram crank and the only reason that didn't work was because the frame was out of spec, so when you pressed the press fit thirty bottom bracket into it, it deformed the cups and bound the crank up. But that was a long time ago. Twenty that was also twenty
1: thirteen. Yep. We probably met Troy then. Just didn't realize it. Really? Maybe.
0: When would we have done that?
1: Oh, he might have already been at SRAM. I think we met him at the outdoors race when he drove the Cannondale truck.
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> I should have harassed him about uh, about my bottom bracket. The same way at the, uh oh what was it? It was something in.
1: Yeah, at like the veil race, gonna yeah, went up to some poor schmuck and just the like. The guy in the
0: SRAM tent, I went up and I was like, when's the Eagle Tap going to come out? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Good times. All right well, that was all of uh, what's his name T T from Vegas. Um, thank you for all of the questions that was that was a lot. Are we done? Matt's just facing chocolate again.
1: Do we have another question? We have an Instagram question. Oh
0: yeah, we do have an Instagram question. This goes a lot faster when we don't have Kenny here.
1: That's what she said.
0: <laughs> all right, this is from Liam. Oh my gosh, it's another book.
1: Hold on, I just faced more chocolate.
0: I'll start reading. Question for the pod. You were talking about wheels on the recent pod, and it reminded me I've been wanting to ask some questions. Thoughts on the Onyx Vesper? On MTBR, it seems the Vesper had have some issues, but the Onyx Classic is very heavy. Not that the Vesper is all that light.
1: Kenny talked about 2-cross and 3-cross. Could you outline what your preference recommendation is for Rowdy XC wheels, i.e. light as I can make, Whilst still being my everyday wheels, whether you go for two or three cross 28-hole carbon or aluminum rims on DG hubs using triple-butted spokes, uh, would you do the same front and rear? Thanks, heaps. And that was from Liam.
0: We need to look up the weight of the Onyx Vesper. The
1: Vesper hub is about 80 or 90 grams heavier than a Torch or Hydra hub, I'm 99% sure. I mean, it's considerably heavier. It's, it's not a little bit. I mean, if you're trying to make light wheels, then why the hell do you give a shit about Onyx? I'm, I'm not trying yeah, to be rude. Yeah, that's, that's like I'm pretty... just trying to be that matter of fact. No one's ever said, I'm going to build some really light wheels. Let me get some Chris King hubs.
0: Then he goes, down here, when he's talking about light wheels, he asks about DT hubs.
1: I know, but why do you, if you want light, take Vesper totally out of your mind, or Onyx totally out of your mind. If you don't need silent, don't even think about Onyx they they're not on on X onyx <laughs>
0: 371 grams.
1: how much is a hydra hub if you want them to be everyday wheels you're going to run carbon rims because they're just going to be way more durable aluminum rims i get it oh I can dent them blah 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 you're going to light aluminum rims will dent and they will get tweaked and you will have to replace it within a season or two carbon rims are going to be totally awesome right up until the incident they they go from
0: awesome to not awesome to not awesome so a rear i9 is 286 versus 371
1: Um, so 85 grams yep i said 80 or 90 there you go pay the man (laughs) (laughs) i just don't i mean no okay so carbon rims you're gonna run carbon because they're gonna be awesome right up until the moment they decide to quit working you know when you absolutely shit mix them on a rock then yeah they're gonna quit working but
0: And most reputable brands now are doing guarantees that don't make sense. Like last week, we talked about Noble Wheels. If you are riding your bike and you break a rim, they'll replace it. You pay shipping. That's amazing. Like, why would you not use those? Any of these brands that are doing a no questions asked, like if you just break it, we'll send you a new one. There's no reason to not not do that. If you can afford it, again, you know, in Matt's example, don't make your kids go, like, don't make your kids skip Christmas. But if you can afford it, then there's no reason not to run one of those wheel sets because if you break it, you literally get a new one, you know? So do it. Get the, get the good carbon shit.
1: And then, if you're going to ride carbon, the carbon hoop itself has some more stiffness, so you can go to 28-hole, you can go to 2-cross, so you leave four spokes out of each wheel, and then 2-cross versus 3-cross, the spokes are going to be marginally shorter. I mean, we're playing a game of grams, literally, here, so if people at home are, like, eye-rolling,
0: it's just a millimeter or two. I don't know about the triple-butted spokes.
1: But, I mean, if we talk about a millimeter or two on 56 spokes, then we have a third of a spoke that you could just... Leave on the workbench for free. Like, it doesn't cost more to use shorter spokes if they're the right length. Um, well, no, I mean, I'm trying to be serious here. Like, people are like, I don't know why manufacturers do 28-hole. Well, they bought eight less spokes for 8,000 bikes, so they bought 64,000 less spokes, and each bike was eight spokes lighter. That's a good reason to do 28-hole. Yeah. In your case, where you're doing quality wheels and you want them to be light and you want them to you know, be rowdy, you didn't tell us how much you weighed. You said whilst, so I think you weigh yourself in stone probably. Um, <laughs>
0: or, or kilograms.
1: Nah, stone. Okay. I don't know how many stone you weigh or how many stone you plan to bash over, but you know, maybe go to 32-hole. Carbon with three cross. If you think you're a lot of stone and you're going to ride on a lot of stone, but if you're not too many stone and you don't hit the stones too hard and you don't hit the scones too hard, then <laughs> go carbon twenty eight hole two cross. Yeah, I made a joke. I, I made a lulz. And
0: if you're if you're nervous about it, do a do a hybrid. Go twenty eight hole front and go thirty two hole rear, and you know just just leave a few spokes out.
1: Nah, don't do that. I'm dead set against that. If you, I'm riding 20, I'm riding 24 hole Envy wheels. They're fucking tits. Just, just go Right, but you're
0: not going to put those on your stump jumper and rally them down Greens Creek, are you? Bitch, I might be. They got a (laughs) warranty. (laughs) So Envy is one of those companies that does that no questions asked replacement, aren't they? Yeah,
1: and I even registered them online. Like the day that I got them, I like filled out all the little stuff.
0: So yeah, you could put those on your bike and go to the bike park. Fucking send it. Right? So, yeah, Liam, don't worry about Onyx. DT hubs are wonderful. I like i9s just because I like more engagement, but the the quality between the two, I'd say, is equal. It's just really, how much bling do you want? Really, for me, it's not the bling, it's or the noise that they make. It is that the engagement is amazing. I don't like DT hubs just for that reason. Alright, I think that's everything. Um. Are you ready to shut it down? Yes. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I'm assuming Kenny will be back next week. But until then, good night.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show.
0: There's some shit coming out of your brake pads.